I'll say this. I hate when I have slow internet and I hate getting hostility from business computer guys. Uh, If you're sick and tired of yours and your network's not running properly, if he takes forever to call you back, are you paying the company good money to keep things working but you're still having constant problems, slowness, and other recurring issues, does your head hurt from having to deal with all of this? If this describes you, please be sure to call my good friend Matthew Odom at Heritage Digital, 843-664-8989. Heritage is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. Heritage will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your network runs correctly all the time. It's for one low monthly fee. Uh, I know that When I've done this before, one low monthly fee is great. With clients from South Carolina to California, Heritage has you covered. So please call my friend Matthew Odom of Heritage today, 843-664-8989. That's 843-664-8989 or heritagedigital.com and get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once and for all. This portion of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast is brought to you by Heritage Digital. Inside the Game Guys podcast, special J.C. Sherbert here with you on a pre-recorded edition of the podcast. I want to thank Heritage Digital uh, for their sponsorship, like you heard at the top of the show. Uh, this is being released uh, first week of August. <clears throat> I will be in Myrtle Beach at the time on vacay, so just sitting here banging this out, going to do an offensive and defensive preview for you. These won't be very long segments, but didn't really feel right. You know, the week practice starts not having a preview podcast out there. And so wanted to kind of get uh, get some things out of the way. We'll do offense today and then defense on the next one. Uh, thanks to Josh Pate for the great interview that we had earlier this week. Uh, and hope all you guys are doing well. I, I know that uh, by the time you hear this, I'll probably be uh, doing extremely well myself. Uh, the official reporting date is Thursday. First practice is Friday morning. Uh, so, uh, I'm recording this on Saturday, July 31st, early in the morning before my flight. Uh, so if there's an injury or somebody's left the program and, and I've mentioned them, uh, just, uh, excuse that comment, uh, if you will. Uh, you know, so I, I, I just want to make that clear first. So offense this year, Marcus Satterfield comes in as the, um, offensive coordinator, you know, it was going to be Mike Bobo. He goes to Auburn. It's Marcus Satterfield. You, you know, and and you, those of you that that are on the Big Spur and have heard this podcast, you, you know, I, I wasn't really a Mike Bobo hater. I actually thought he did a pretty good job piecing it together, calling plays last year. Say what you want about the quarterback's performance or offense or whatever. The results obviously weren't what people hoped they would be. Uh, but I thought he did a pretty good job and, you know, didn't really see the problem with Beamer keeping him. I want to make it clear though, first, because there's, there's all, <laughs> when it comes to Mike Bobo, Colin Hill and all that, I, I don't want to really talk about it uh, over and over and over again and rehash it. I, I will say this, there, there's another one of these rumors going out there and uh, you know, another one of those things people pin on Ray Tanner uh, that Shane Beamer was mandated to keep Mike Bobo as a, as a condition for keeping the job that did not, or getting the job, that did not happen. Uh, that did not happen. Um, 
And I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, before the job even came open, even when it looked like it may not, when the Gamecocks were sitting at two and two, a really good source that I was in contact with told me that, you know, Beamer may very well keep Bobo. Um, Bobo and Beamer have known each other for years, whatever. That's kind of what made it uncomfortable, I think, when he left um, and uh, and all that. And, and look, him leaving uh, for more money or, or whatever, a better deal, you know, I, I don't really have a strong opinion about that either way other than, you know, these coaches have to take care of their families. And, and when you're talking about millions of dollars, that's uh, – you got to make the move. Um, but I understand the, the angst over that. And, 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 you know, Beamer's the head coach and the Gamecocks uh, probably shouldn't be too happy that he went off and took a job uh, with a program that's on the schedule, you know, that South Carolina has to recruit against, compete against, uh, who knows, probably will have more games with Auburn here pretty soon uh, with all the realignment. So I, I, I totally understand the hard feelings with Mike Bobo. Uh, that said, you know, anytime the idea was, you know, when we talk about blending systems, the idea was to add some of the Lincoln Riley stuff with what Bobo did already. I, I think with Marcus Satterfield, seeing as how his offenses have evolved, he's run a little bit of everything. He's worked under Joe Brady. Um, if you look at the spring game, some of the formations are very similar to the Panthers or LSU or whatever the Brady system. Uh, I, I think it's fundamentally a lot easier when you, you know, if you're going to sort of, you know, create the South Carolina offense, and we saw that under Brian McClendon, um, you know, and and look, Brian McClendon's offense didn't fail because uh, at times in 2018, because of the plan, it, it failed because of adjustments and, you know, things of that nature in game. And, and we don't know a whole lot about Marcus Satterfield as far as that goes, but um I think it's going to be with Marcus Satterfield, it's going to be so much easier uh, for the head coach, Shane Beamer, uh, to kind of do more of what he wants. Anytime you have a, an offensive coordinator like Bobo that, that's been there for years, you know, sometimes it's hard to get those guys to adjust. I mean, it's, it has been done. Steve Ensminger did it at LSU when Brady got there. Noel Mazzoni did it uh, at Texas A&M with Kevin Sumlin and other places. So I've seen veteran SEC coordinators evolve. Dan Werner, who was at South Carolina for two years uh, at Ole Miss, evolved <clears throat> from a pro-style guy when he was there earlier under Orgeron uh, to a heavy RPO guy under Hugh Freeze. So uh, I'm not ruling it out that that wouldn't have been successful, but I, I think it's a lot easier sometimes just from a plan standpoint um, if you've got a guy, number one, you're comfortable with and you've known since you were graduate assistants, number two, uh, a, a guy that's kind of maybe enthusiastic about going in and getting a shot to, you know, create his own system and make his own mark and that kind of thing. Um, and I, I think you can say that for probably the entire staff at South Carolina. I think, you know, all this positive energy and the shot of energy the program has, uh, that takes buy-in across the board. And, you know, sometimes guys, if you've been at Alabama or you've been at Auburn, you've been at Georgia, you've been at pro LSU programs like that, you know, and you get to South Carolina, you're like, well, you know, how how easy or hard is it to recharge your batteries and say, hey, all right, look, you know, I'm going to get behind all this and uh, let's rock and roll um, and be part of this, you know, positive energy building process. Uh, you know, not everybody's like that. And I'm not saying Bobo wasn't. I'm just saying that, uh, you know, 
right now, you know, before we see the play calling, because we, we, we don't know. Um, you know, you can go back and look at 15 years of tape for Bobo and others, but you, Satterfield, if you go back to the Temple stuff, that's going to be a, a small portion uh, of what they run at South Carolina. So, you know, you, you don't know. In game, you don't know. Um, I'll tell you this, every offensive coordinator here, uh, from Kurt Roper to Brian McClendon uh, to Mike Bobo, uh, had a good plan. Kurt, Kurt Roper was – People wonder why Bull Muschamp hired him twice, you know, masterful on the chalkboard. I was told that. And then I, I was told when they got in the game, he froze. It was combative. It was, you know, he just wasn't a guy that could do it. And, he, and look, show me an offensive coordinator, a good one, that acts like a defensive coordinator. And I'll show you an offense that doesn't work. You need guys that are calm, cool, and collective. The best play callers in the game are like that. And um, I don't know. I don't know about Marcus Satterfield. Uh, you know, he's going to be in the box calling plays, and I think that's probably a good thing. Um, but but we don't know about that. I have a good feeling, but feeling you know facts over feelings here, man. Facts over feelings. <laughs> that's uh, that's the deal there. So let's start with the quarterback position, and then I do have uh, one question on each of these previews uh, for from the I Help Consulting mailbag that I'll get to an answer uh, and all that good stuff um, that are on topic. Uh, and so we'll get to that here in a second. Starting with quarterback. So here, here's the question coming out. It's Luke Doty. Uh, and I, I would hope, fans, that, you know, everyone, myself, analyst, media, uh, fans, whoever, uh, goes into the season with an open mind about the quarterback position. Uh, I, I think that from Jake Bentley home forward, you know, it's been a very toxic uh, hit or miss relationship with the fans and the quarterback at the University of South Carolina. You've, you seem to have, you know, we, we, we seem to look at it and go, well, there's been some favorites, you know, that have been played. And then there's been some guys that they throw an incomplete pass. You want to bench them. Uh, and I get it. Steve Spurrier coached at this school for 10 and a half years and was not afraid to change quarterbacks. And that was a solution uh, and a good one sometimes, more times than not when he was there. But Steve Spurrier is unique with how he deals with that position. I think we all know that. Um, you know, so so coming out of spring, you have Luke Doty. And, and Luke obviously thrown to the fire last year. Uh, you know, you look at his spring game and – if you break it down play by play, sure, there were some misses. There weren't, number one, there weren't a lot of pass plays called. Number two, you know, in those situations when you have a pass rush, they blow the whistle, they don't let him run around and improvise and scramble. Um, number three, you know, like I said, they, they didn't really get really deep into their playbook uh, passing game wise. Uh, and number four, Luke Doty, as Marcus Satterfield said the other day, has to work on lower body, you know, and, and a quarterback. I don't care who you are, where you've played. Uh, and, and as fans and analysts, that when we're sitting there watching the ball in the game, we may not notice this a lot, but uh, when they don't have their feet set and their lower body's not set, you know, bad things can happen. You know, there's gonna, there could be some misfires. There could be some forced passes, whatever. And, and if you look at Luke Doty, that, that's probably – fair and that's that, that that's that's definitely and it's definitely not probably uh accurate when you're breaking his game down his footwork and, and same thing with ryan helensky the year before you know his his footwork was something that uh 
you know, Bobo and those guys tried to collect, but, you know, we're not going to talk about Holinsky a whole lot. Uh, you know, and, and Colin Hill when he struggled, Jake Bentley when he struggled, uh, footwork. That was a, that was a big, big thing. Young quarterback sometimes, that's that's probably one of the hardest parts because you, you have to set fire and you got to do it all at once and, and remember where you're going. And, I mean, it's a, it's a very difficult position to play. But when Luke does plant his feet and has his fundamentals, uh, he's got a good arm. You know, he, he can fire him in there. When he doesn't, it doesn't look so swift. So I understand, you know, the the concern because, you know, he's got to get that. And uh, I've also said that the key for him, because we all just assume that, you know, I, I think one of the assumptions when you watch him run around and, and learn about his speed uh, not necessarily watching, but when you know about his speed and his ability to make things with his feet, place pose with his feet, everybody's thinking Connor Shaw, Savelle Newton, somebody like that. Uh, I, I think, and this is a, this is my opinion, but underrated wise, I, I think Luke Doty also needs to learn how to run. And like I said on a previous podcast, if he's going to be your quarterback and you're going to take advantage of that, you probably need him to be elite in the run game, not just merely good. Uh, and, and so I think that's another important part of his development. Um, he has had an outstanding summer uh, in player run practices. So Jason Brown is the next guy, the the, uh, the fourth stringer, uh, so to speak. Uh, and he was fourth string in the spring game, missed some time, got behind. He's working extremely hard. You know, and, and here's a guy, too, when you watch his release, it's, it's quick. Uh, he, he's a bit fearless when he throws the ball doesn't hesitate that that's a function of him playing college football uh, for a while experience goes a long way um, the offense obviously changes a bit with him in he's not a slow guy he can you know but he's he's a little more like Jake what to where you know Jake could get some Jake Bentley could get some some yardage with his feet for sure we saw it. It wasn't always pretty, <laughs> but it was effective at times. You know, Jake could run a little bit, you know, especially considering his, you know, knee injury situation. Uh, he ran a little bit at Utah last year in his good games too. Uh, and so it was a lot like that. You know, I, I think Jason, not a statue in the pocket, but certainly more of a drop back passer type in terms of how you scheme things up. Uh, strong arm, good kid, working hard. Happy to be at South Carolina. Uh, I don't believe, and I've said this before, if I were just watching them uh, as an evaluator and watched them throw seven on seven or Pascal, something like that, you know, maybe I'd give the edge to Jason Brown just from a pure passing standpoint. But a lot more goes into playing quarterback. A lot more is going to this offense. And I don't want to overvalue you know, some nice throws in a spring game. I don't want to undervalue it because they were nice throws. It is what it is, but I, I don't want to sit there and, you know, it, it's kind of like the guys that go to a, uh, in my business sometimes, they go to a camp and hype the kid up based on camp, and, and but then there's more to the story. That's happened a lot. Uh, and so, you know, I, my opinion on Jason Brown is there is a chance uh, that he is going to make some moves uh, and put some pressure on Doty, put some competition on it. It is unlikely, I think, that uh, he ends up winning the job. Just based on my, the plethora of knowledge I have on the subject, uh, I think it's unlikely. Now, let's say he does. Let's say he comes back, 
he just outperforms Luke the whole time in practice. That's a good thing for South Carolina because, you know, and, and I hear everybody going, hey, you can move Luke back to receiver. No, no. But keep in mind, Luke's a freshman. He's got years in this program left. Jason's an older guy, you know, and, and there's nothing wrong, in my opinion, if your more experienced guy wins the job and he's the one that can move the ball, then uh, he should get the job. Period. I mean, that, that, that's all there is to it. Um, nobody's playing favorites. Uh, I, I have talked to many, many people with no skin in the game. You know, not the you know people that aren't the quarterback coach or the head coach or any anybody even on offense. And everybody universally says among my contacts that Luke, by far and away, is the guy. So, so there you go with that. So that's um, that's the deal. You know, with, with the quarterback situation, uh, you know, Connor Jordan, the walk on, they really like him as far as like an emergency quarterback goes. Uh, you know, Colton Gothier, I think that's how you say it. <laughs> the guitar playing guy that reminds me of Charlie Whitehurst, the true freshman. There, there's a couple of contacts that think as far as upside goes long term, he could be, you know, in the passing game, he could be better than all of them. Um, he's just a true freshman and needs time. And and if you did watch the spring game, and again, I don't want to overvalue it, you know, his protection wasn't good. And, you know, there were times he just looked kind of like, wow, you know, like it was like it was the game needs to slow down a bit for him. Um, but when you watch him throw, it, it's nice. I think, you know, again, Mike Bobo getting him in, that that's probably going to be something that pays off. It's going to be funny because down the road, we may be sitting there watching – the Gamecocks and Colton's making pass plays and Marshawn Lloyd and Rashad Amos are throwing the ball and the, the, the two one hit wonders from the university of Georgia, Thomas Brown and Mike Bobo. And we all remember both of them playing and coaching at Georgia under Rick, you know, they're going to have a pretty big impact on the program um, because those three guys have a chance to be exceptionally good, especially Amos. And we all know about Lloyd, um, but Gothier's got a chance. So that's the quarterbacks running backs. Uh, obviously there's a lot of excitement about that position and rightfully so um, yet another running backs coaches in Montario Hardesty uh, you, you want to talk about, you know, the guys that the, the coaches that left Des Kitchings is obviously the, the one that you go, man. I mean, and, and that's not Montario Hardesty is a fantastic coach with a fantastic future. He's very enthusiastic. He fits. But Des fit in really well, too, and that guy can recruit and evaluate running backs like it's nobody's business. And, and if you look at kind of what he got out of Deshaun Fenwick last year and Kevin Harris, you know, your running backs coach, basically what you want is, is out of your running backs coaches, teach them fundamentals, uh, get their fundamentals right, you know, make sure they have talent, and then you know it's helpful and makes a running backs coach look really good if the guys stay healthy. And, and really, with the exception of Lloyd last year, yeah, Harris and Fenwick stayed healthy. Fenwick especially, I thought. Now he's at Oregon State now, but I, I thought Fenwick came came a long way because he was one of those guys when he got there, they're like, we got a lot of work to do with him, but he can do it, and he did it. So they do miss Des Kitchings, but Hardesty's got this very talented group. You have Kevin Harris coming back. Um, I, I think almost induced mass panic on the message board a couple of weeks ago when I said he did not have a good spring. Uh, that's universal. They a lot of people have told me that, but uh, and it was surprising because Kevin Harris is a you know a, a warrior when it comes to hard work. Um, I think sometimes though, 
when, when you're and, and and the spotlight's more on it because you're in a transition phase. If if the old staff was still there, you know, I don't think you you just don't even talk about it or and you probably don't even hear about it. But I think talented running backs, they they get out there, he led the SEC in rushing, he has a future. You you read all the time about injuries. Kevin Harris did have some injuries as a freshman. Um and so mentally, I'm not saying that it's right when you're practicing and learning a new system to 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 be a little cautious. Um but you know, I, I, I think there's a big difference in what Zaquandre White had to prove this spring uh, versus what Kevin Harris did. And, and I'll leave it at that. I, I've heard Kevin Harris is working extremely hard, uh, special player. Obviously, SEC leader in rushing last year, 1,100 and something yards against an all-SEC schedule, uh, even though the defenses were down last year. I, I think that's tremendous. Um, you know, I do hear, oh, against good defenses, he didn't do much. And that's true, but a lot of that too is is good scheme. I mean, Missouri pretty much shut him down. But if you watch that game, especially in the first half, I mean, they're running right into five guys, and Missouri was stacking the box. And you don't have a passing, you know, attack or whatever. It's hard to do that. So the hope is this year you have a passing attack. <laughs> Not people can't stack the box and key on these guys. Uh, but I think Kevin Harris is going to have a really good year. Will he get to 1,200 yards? I don't know. Uh, but I do think it's a positive that, that you know, they're going to have more backs, get, get touches. and I Because that's kind of the way they do it nowadays. I, I also think this, you know, they didn't – South Carolina last year didn't really ride him. I mean, it, it, he wasn't – it wasn't like a Lattimore situation where there were games he had 40 carries. Um you know, he just put up and produced. And, and when he gets in the open field, he's hard to catch. Uh, and so, you know, we'll see what his production is like. I, I know that they're very excited about him. And um, I think, you know, th- this year he could take it to a, a, an even better level uh, and be even better. And I, I think put him put himself in a position to make some money. <laughs> Um, playing football. Marshawn Lloyd, right after that, he's back. He's fully healed, um, ready to go. Uh, you know, I, I've said this for a while. A lot, of, a lot of people, you know, look at guys that are highly rated, and and in their mind, they're still thinking Kevin Harris is a three-star. Marshawn Lloyd is a five. Marshawn should therefore, – therefore, well, that equation doesn't always work out. In, in fact, it works out very rarely. That said um, – Marshawn put some practice tape up from last year. And if he can get within 90% of what I saw on that practice tape, uh, South Carolina fans are going to be very, very happy this year with him. Um, Change of direction, explosiveness, speed, works hard, runs hard, outstanding individual. Um, Everything about Marshawn Lloyd uh, points towards special player. Now, he hadn't had a carry yet. Hopefully he does. Um, there may be a, a shaking off of the rust, so to speak. Uh, but I think Marshawn Lloyd, uh, at the end of the day, is a great compliment to Harris in the backfield. And, you know, when you look and say who are the pl- potential big-time playmakers, you got to put Lloyd on that list. Uh, I mentioned Zaquandre White. You know, he, he was a guy that got in sort of late last year you know, from junior college, number one junior college running back in the country. Uh, you know, I remember a source telling me and a good one that 
you know, when the day Lloyd got hurt, you know, we need white to come in here and be, well, I don't think anybody, you know, nobody really saw the Kevin Harris thing coming by the way, even, even the coaching staff. Um, and he came in and, you know, I, I think there's always an adjustment coming from junior college to the sec. You know, there was some dancing in the hole. There were some losses. There were some fumbles, uh, that all changed. <clears throat> and look, Zaquandre White coming into the last season, you know, he, he was at Florida State and Jimbo Fisher and those guys moved him, or Willie Taggart moved him to defense. So he leaves because uh, he's a running back, you know, that's what he wants to play. And this shows you a lot about him and his character. You know, they, they played him at safety some last year, you know, just because, hey, look, we don't have anybody. Um, and he's a big team guy on all the special teams, all that. Um, you know, and then Rashad Amos, who I mentioned, 6'2", 224. This dude's huge and can run. I mean, that that's that's his, that's the size of Stephen Davis. You guys remember Stephen Davis from Spartanburg that went to Auburn? Um, that's the size he was, you know, and he's – I don't know that – you know, I think Stephen Davis was like a 10-400 meter. I don't know what Rashad runs, but he's a huge, big back – uh, if you look at his few clips from last year where he got a chance as a true freshman, boy, that's uh, he's got some upside. So, you know, you need more than one. You need more than two. These guys get banged up uh, in this league and in practice and everything else. They take a pounding. So the more the merrier. Uh, Juju McDowell is at this position, too. Different kind of running back. Um, have to wait and see kind of how they're going to use him this year in different ways. Um, so the question here with running back becomes how are you going to split the carries? Uh, I would I would imagine Harris, Lloyd, and then White, and and I would imagine too as practice evolves, depending on who steps up as a playmaker, you're going to see, you know, one, two, maybe three of them all be a big part of the offense, and 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 that should be exciting if you're South Carolina because all those guys are talented and good, um, and they're ready to roll. So Montario Hardesty coming in from Charlotte, first time in Power Five. As a full-time assistant, uh, he, he inherited a golden situation. So, um, you know, as this moves forward, send Thomas Brown and Bobby Bentley uh, a, a nice letter <laughs> because they left, that, they left that room in good shape. Des Kitchings, too, if Juju McDowell works out and, and for all the coaching he did last year. Tight ends. All right, so, so there's all these questions here with tight end, and it's and, and this is what I like about the plan on offense, too, is that it's flexible. You know, I, and I think when you're in a situation that, you know, where, where you're kind of building and there's some deficiencies and, and all that, you, you need to stay as flexible as possible because you need to put your big playmakers on the field. I'll start with EJ Jenkins. Listed as a wide receiver, uh, goes back and forth, 6'7", 240. Uh, again, looked really good in the spring. Uh, some people think, oh, man, you know, it, it's – that guy could be the best offensive player they've got. I mean, you know, it, 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 he's that kind of freak. That said, you know, hadn't played this level. Um, he, he's one where you're glad you're opening with Eastern Illinois and East Carolina before you go to Georgia. Because, you know, sometimes guys, when they go up a level and it gets real, you know, in a game, uh, the dropsies come in, you know, you're nervous. It, it, the, the, wow, wow, these guys are just as big and fast as I am that kind of thing. But everything about EJ Jenkins has been positive. He's going to move around. Jaheim Bell, 
he's not really one I worry about because he played some last year um, and kind of knows. And uh, he's a he's a fearless guy. But you know, with him, you know, and he's up to up to six three two thirty now. You know, you can hand him the ball. You know, so with Jaheim, it's almost like having another you know a fifth running back, six running back out there. We saw that in the spring game. Uh, he he can block, he can catch, he can he can do it all. Um, and he's also a guy that when it's clear when you watch him play, when you watched him in high school, when you watch him now. Uh, and again, shout out to Bobby Bentley. It's another one of his recruits flipped him from Florida, and we see why they wanted him. Uh, he loves football, you know, and and that's a very important thing because not everybody does. Even good players, some of them just don't. You know, they don't love it. Jaheim loves it. And then that competitive edge, I think, along with his gifted athleticism and natural ability as a player to do different things, uh, really will help. Uh, you know, I didn't mention Nick Muse first, but uh, he's the returning starter and a team captain. Uh, everybody, I think, has PTSD from the Tennessee game because – you know, that was a high pass. He probably still should have had it, even if he catches it and falls down. I think it's a first down. Catches it in stride. He probably turns it upfield, and it's a foot race to the end zone. But, uh, you know, Nick's had a big offseason. He came back. He's worked hard. Um, you know, and, and it's just going to be up to, to him to produce, uh, you know. And I, I don't think that his hands are bad. I, I think that he's had – you know, he had some drops when he first got to Carolina. Again, he was another one of those guys that was late getting approved. Um, had some drops early, and then the Tennessee game, everybody remembers. But uh, Nick is a big physical guy. He's a leader uh, on this football team. Obviously, they took him to SEC Media Days. That That's kind of what it is. And uh, I, I do think, you know, and he's the starter. And, and, and so at tight end, you have guys that are attached, which means – you know, your traditional tight end, hand in the dirt, part of the line, block, whatever. And then you have guys that can split out. Nick can do both. But as far as if, if you're looking to formulate a depth chart at attached tight end, it would go Muse 1, Trey Kenyon, who had a really good spring to, to, to take that backup role, uh, too. And then you got Jenkins and Bell and Mullins as those other guys that are kind of H-backs types. Uh, I think they're going to be – these guys are going to be a big part of the offense this year. It's conceivable that Jenkins and Bell and Muse are your top three receivers. Um, even if some guys step up at receiver, which we're going to get to in a second, uh, you know, I the, these guys are really, really good, you know, as far as talent goes. There are things they all have to work on, you know. Um, of all of them, Bell would probably be the one I'm, you know, least concerned about for the reasons I stated – you know, like Muse has to obviously hold on to the football in big situations. Um, his blocking last year, you know, coming off the injury from the previous year, the ACL, I don't think was as good as it can be. Uh, that's going to be important too. And then with Jenkins, it's all a matter of where's the, you know, can that can that adjustment take place? You know, when it gets real. Um, and so, you know, tight ends. Eric Shaw, another guy that Eric Kimry mentioned uh, the other day at the golf outing who could play some receiver, you know, he, he's a guy that they love. I mean, Eric Shaw, there's a reason 24 seven sports had him as a top 110 player. Uh, You watch his defensive clips. That's a reason to get excited too. But you know, and and I think people last year, because the Gamecocks were worried how they're going to rush the pass. How are they going to rush the passer? Who's the buck? 
hey, can he play linebacker, that kind of thing. Um, and he did. He played some linebacker at the end of last year. But Shaw, you watch his offensive clips too, and, and they're just as impressive for, from high school. So, you know, if, if, if the receivers all stink, and, and you know, I, I'm not saying that'll happen, but if the receivers all stink, you know, you could see Shaw as a 215-pound receiver kind of sliding over and helping out at that spot, similar to Jenkins. So, and maybe Kevion Mullins too, who's listed at 6'3", 237. That's bigger than I, I thought he was. That's what he's listed at on the roster. Kevion Mullins out of Memphis. Uh, really a big uh, – a kind of a shame that, you know, he makes some big plays in the LSU game and then uh, I think it was his hamstring, maybe his ankle out for the rest of the year. That was just the way last year. That's really the way the last three or four years have gone at South Carolina. Offensive line, I think the big question mark is this. It's going to be a battle at left tackle. Jaston Turnatine versus Ja'Kai Moore. Moore missed the spring, so Jazz got all the reps. Uh, Jazz is 6'7", 340. I thought he had some good moments last year. I thought he had some bad moments last year. Same with a lot of the tackles. Uh, Dylan Wanham did not have his best year. The big guys, too, I don't say this on both sides of the ball, and, and this is another thing people have to realize about last season. You know, number one, the big guys, when you talk about COVID, they're more susceptible to that being a, a very serious situation for them, you know, because of weight and size and all that. These guys aren't fat, but they're, they're you know, COVID, when you look at anything studies show and, and the, the data shows that uh, the bigger you are, the, the worse that, th- that, that stuff can jump on you quickly. Um, and so I know there's the concern there to start with. Okay. That's number one. Number two, these guys didn't, big guys need off season workout, you know, because they, they got to get in shape to go play offensive line. You, you rarely come out of the game, unlike defense. Um, and jazz and turn time was just not in shape. And I don't know that a lot of the guys were on the offensive line. Uh, which should be exciting because as a group, they played pretty good. Um, and, and, you know, pass rushing and stuff like that, stopping the pass blocking, I'm sorry, stuff like that. If you're not in shape and it's late and you have a quarterback like Colin Hill that wasn't going to move around, um, you can look ugly at times, uh, you know. So those – and a lot of people, oh, I can't pass block. I don't know that they can't pass block, but I, mean, I think there was a reason some of these guys did not look as good as you you, you maybe thought in that department. Because, you know, there's no – I mean, no um, no off-season training. Well, they've had a bunch of off-season training. Everybody's in good shape. Uh, Turnitine versus Ja'Kai Moore is going to be a battle. You guys remember Ja'Kai Moore was a, a recruiting battle. South Carolina went to Virginia and won – beating Penn State and Clemson on that guy. Uh, I, I think everybody asks me all the time, who 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 was really underrated by composite? And I was like, Ja'Kai Moore, because 24-7 Sports had him as a four-star. ESPN had him as a four-star. Rivals, I guess, quit, you know, didn't watch him or whatever, uh, had him lower, a low, lower three-star, and so he ended up as a composite three. But, you know, that was a big-time rec- – you talk about recruiting – that's a big time recruiting win that if you just look at the stars, you don't understand. Um, that's why I try to talk about it. So that's the big deal. I, I think the other positions are set. Jalen Nichols is at left guard now, 6'5, 325. 
Um, certainly versatile enough to go play tackle. He played tackle at Georgia as a true freshman. The Gamecocks won. Um, they like him. Eric Douglas is a veteran center and a leader on the football team. Uh, Jovan Gwynn, I, I think we all know how tough that guy is. He won the toughness award for the spring. Uh, he will maul you um, and, and not think twice. And he's coming into his own now. Injury early on in his career. Now he's starting to get it. You know, he's starting to be that guy that his high school coach said, if 20 people go into a house and it gets set on fire, one guy's coming out, it's going to be Javon Gwynn. So that toughness. And then Dylan Wanham, you know, freshman All-American, uh, like I said, did not have his best year last year um, at tackle. Uh, I think he's a right tackle. Uh, that's where they've got it penciled in at as a starter. Uh, and so away we go. Now there's some younger guys. Vershawn Lee, who started at right tackle last year, I think in Tennessee as a true freshman, another Virginia product. He's versatile and can go inside, outside. They love Vincent Murphy as a young interior. They love Tyshawn Wanamaker as an interior guy or a tackle. They're working him some at tackle uh, as a backup. Wyatt Campbell could be in the two deep. Um, he's been there a while. Uh, Hank Manos could be the backup center. So, you know, or Vinnie Murphy. So there's a lot of options there on the offensive line. Uh, and, 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 you know, John Darius Morgan came in uh, and Jordan Davis came in. And then Jordan Rhodes is still there, too. Jordan Rhodes has started 10, 11 games in his career. So that's another storyline on the offensive line that, to, to see how it works out. Um, all right, so receiver, I saved it for last for a reason because uh, we have a question in on the iHelp Consulting mailbag. And so we're going to talk about iHelp Consulting. If you're a business owner, you're always looking to save time and money. That's where iHelp Consulting can help. iHelp is a Gamecock-owned and operated company whose only mission is to help businesses save money on expenses, whether you think you might be paying too much for credit card processing, internet insurance, or anything else iHelp can find your business the most savings without sacrificing quality. And remember, if iHelp can't save your business any money, you don't pay them anything. That's right. If iHelp can't help your business, it's no cost to you. Call or text my friend Daniel Owens at iHelp, 843-372-5713 or visit iHelpConsulting.com to schedule a free consultation. That number again, 843-372-5713. iHelp Consulting, how can I help you? So this comes in from Mark. He's like, JC, enjoy the podcast. Who in your mind is the one guy that can step up and be an outside threat at receiver this year for the Gamecocks? Outside threat, you know, South Carolina last year was shy, you know, that sort of your fade patterns and stuff like that. Take it, you hear the term taking the top off the defense and all. Um, they would go to shy in those situations. Uh, but they South Carolina last year as an offense kind of worked the middle. It was, you know, Marcus Satterfield mentioned that his offense was not a West Coast offense the other day, and that's that's the truth. Uh, and last year it had the under Bobo, it had the appearance of it. That's not that Bobo doesn't like to go downtown because we all saw it at Georgia and Colorado State. They just they just didn't have anybody that could do it. Um, I'm going to say this: I, I think there are some options. But the person or the player I feel most confident about right now, right now, heading into spring practice is Jalen Brooks. Uh, you know, there's, you know, I, I think a lot of people thought Jalen Brooks was going to come in and save the passing game last season. He didn't. There's a lot of reasons why. I thought he settled down at the end, you know, starting around the end of Ole Miss or whatever. And he made his share of plays. 
you know, and the quarterback's got to get on the ball and all that good stuff. But he had a good enough spring, you know, because De- he and DeCarry and Joyner probably were just if you're talking about wide receivers, not Jenkins and Bell and those guys, because I think those guys probably are better than, you know, had better springs than these two. Uh, when you're talking about just that, I, you know, Brooks and DeCarry and Joyner had it. And Joyner's more of a work the middle of the field guy, um, slot maybe than an outside guy hand hand to carry on the ball from scrimmage. I, I say uh, he can make things happen. Brooks is that, that guy, the, 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 the outside guy, Amari and Brown can be a deep threat too. But uh, so that would be who I would pick. Uh, he's a bigger guy. Uh, he's a fast guy. Uh, he's, you know, was a productive guy when he was at Wingate. Um, I, um, I, I believe that having you know, him settling in is, is important uh, for this group. Uh, and uh, I think that, you know, it could be a good thing. Got to get him the ball. Uh, Cause I, I think one thing he can do and he showed he could do last year is, you know, if anything, he can get open. So I, I, I think that if you're talking about one player, to, to, to talk about the outside with, um, it would be him. So thanks for the question, Mark. Uh, and, and so then I'm going to add this to, to that equation. Do not forget about Xavier Leggett. <laughs> Do not forget about Xavier Leggett. Do not forget about Xavier Leggett. Xavier Leggett, 6'1", he's 270. He's one of the fastest players on the team. Just when you line them up, run it speed-wise, it's fine. His freshman year – and I don't know why they didn't just go, you know, because he, he did some really nice things in practice, but it, it looked like they weren't really interested in, you know, coaching him up to take that second spot or third spot with Shy and Brian Edwards in front of him. Uh, you know, and then last year, you know, you, you kind of looked at the Tennessee game and the Florida game and you were like, you know, out there against SEC defensive backs, he's, 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 he's not – you don't look at him and go, man, that guy's a big time player. Uh, but but you you saw him get better and better and better, making catches, making adjustments, that kind of thing. He made some big plays in that Tennessee game, man. Xavier did. You know, he he was the number two guy, and then he goes away, and and nobody says anything. <laughs> uh, you know, Will Muschamp wasn't as forthcoming with injuries. And then when Mike Bobo takes over, you find out he's been injured for the rest of the year and then he's injured all spring. So if he's healthy, which Justin Stepdiller talked about him being healthy, don't count him out. Don't count him out because he's got the, he's got tools. Okay. Uh, In fact, you know, it would be if you're South Carolina and you're looking for speed at receiver, Marcus Satterfield wants to throw the ball down the field. The best thing that could happen would be Xavier Leggett, Amarian Brown, and Jalen Brooks are your three. Um, and they're all good and can catch it, and then everybody else kind of supplements. Because those three are three of the fastest guys on the team, you know, take a top off of defense. But right now, Mark, I'm going to say Jalen Brooks. Uh, and so that's the speed trio right there. You could probably throw Sam Reynolds, the freshman, in there. I don't know if he's going to be ready. Uh, all that, you know, uh, uh, Ranricus Davis is back for year number 175. Uh, member of Will Muschamp's first recruiting class. We've seen Ranricus when he's healthy, do some things. You know, Josh Van is part of the Three Amigos. 
Uh, and these guys are guys I call them the three amigos because it would be very friendly to the South Carolina offense if they could at least match their production. Because if you match the production that these guys have had over the years, individually it's not great, but it's, it equals 70 passes. And I'm talking Van, if he can get to around 20. Uh, he may need more, though, because I'm going to get to Ortrey Smith in a second. Uh, Brown caught 30 uh, – Omarion Brown caught 31 passes at Georgia Tech, seven touchdowns. You know, it may not be easy to get a seven touchdowns this year, but I, I certainly think he could be a deep threat. And he averaged 18.9 yards a catch um, at one point. And then Ortrey, who, you know, 30 passes caught as a true freshman, three touchdowns, red zone guy. Um, so that's 70 balls. For for these three guys that you're not even necessarily counting on being starters, uh, if they can produce like that, for Ortray it may be difficult just because you know what Justin Stepp said the other day about Ortray and and him being able to go all the time, coming off all those you know all the injuries, the knee, all that takes time. You know, Dakarian Joiner uh, I, I think could also be a guy 25, 30 catches uh, again uh, in a season. Trey Atkins got put on scholarship. He's a former walk-on. He's produced every time he's been in there. Um, you know, look out down the road, this kid from Flora, Eric Rice, Eric with a Q. I don't know if he'll play this year, but uh, a lot of people feel he was a steal. Uh, Omega Blake, very raw, but, man, it's if, you, if you're looking at a, a receiver and you, you see 6'3", 182 with that athleticism, that has to make you kind of happy. You know, Rico Powers and Jakari Caldwell, two freshmen from last year, need to be consistent. You know, I don't know what to make of Chad Terrell. Um, and then uh, Justin Stepp the other day also mentioned this kid from Eastside who's a redshirt freshman receiver, Peyton Mangrum. I remember when he, he he decided to walk on, a lot of people were excited about him from the Greenville area. I do not know what's going to happen at wide receiver. I do think that uh, if the quarterback situation tightens – that's the number one storyline of the, of the preseason on offense. If not, it's definitely receiver. Who's going to step up? And, you, you know, with Powers and Caldwell, you hear that. Caldwell needs to play fast all the time. When he plays fast, he is fast. He's 6'5", 200. There, there's an outside guy, too. You know, Rico, consistent on the field, off the field every single day. And and that, that's that been fundamentally his issue, uh, you know, in the short time he's been at Carolina. I don't want anybody to give up on Rico Powers because the staff is working extremely hard, and he is very talented. So we'll see what happens there. All right. Special thanks to iHelp Consulting Heritage Digital, our sponsors. Uh, by the time you hear this, I'll be sitting on the beach getting a tan. Probably will have had a tan by now. Uh, once again, uh, practice gets started uh, this week. And first practice, I think, is uh, I mentioned Friday uh, for the Gamecocks players wait a minute let me let me let me just get this right because i deleted the email all right players report thursday first practice friday morning 9 40 a.m practice friday saturday sunday blah 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 first scrimmage saturday august 14th so by that time i'll be back i'm getting back on the 11th uh back in the saddle with with the podcast and stuff so complete coverage of that probably since i'm gone um well don't know, because God, I forgot. I have Willie. I have Willie Nelson tickets that Saturday night. I was going to say maybe a special Saturday scrimmage podcast, maybe a maybe a Sunday one, depending on uh, how much fun I have at the concert. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Willie Nelson, 
that that's going to be great. But um, yeah. So anyway, we'll have lots of stuff, lots of coverage. Bixper.com obviously is going to keep rolling without me. Uh, you know, daily I'll be on the message boards and all that, but certainly, uh, you know, we'll be on vacation. All right, guys, appreciate it. That's the offensive preview, defensive preview I'm about to hit record on inside the Gamecast podcast. Everyone have a wonderful day and hope to holla at you soon.